I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hi, welcome to Horror Versus Reality. I'm your host, Anastasia, and my co-host, Morgan, is with me as always. Say hi, Mo. Hi, Mo. <laughs> we are back for the second half of the Lords of Chaos episode. Yes. Yeah. I will be talking about the actual crimes that surrounded the band Mayhem and the Helvete record shop. Switching it up. Yeah, I'm excited. I did a fuck ton of research. I've been like inhaling and breathing in the black metal scene for like a month, honestly. But part of the reason why I wanted to be the one to do this is because, like I said earlier, I've actually seen Mayhem in concert, obviously. Yeah. Obviously, not the original lineup. <laughs> Obviously. But Hellhammer and Necro Butcher are still in the band, and they were there. So that's cool. I feel like I'm uh, like an actual fan, and I just want to handle it with care. You know what I'm saying? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> like, like the Rory Orbison song, Handle Me With Care. <laughs> I like how you brought Roy Orbison into this black metal um, You know, I, I just wouldn't quite be me if I didn't bring that kind of quirk to it, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So first off, my primary source for this episode is Lords of Chaos, The Rise of the Satanic Metal Underground by Michael Moynihan and Diedrich Soderlund. And Until the Light Takes Us, directed by Aaron Eights and Audrey Ewell. That's a fantastic documentary that is also on the scene. And it is free on Tubi. I think it's also on Amazon. So. Let's begin. It all started with Oystein. But before we get into Oystein, Arseth, let's start with Venom. Venom is an extreme metal band that began in the UK back in 1978. And to say that their music and sound had a huge impact on both the thrash and the black metal scene is an understatement. In fact, their seminal second album, Black Metal, is where the name for the genre came from. Black Metal cemented a few key features of the genre, such as violent opposition to Judeo-Christianity and over-the-top stage theatrics during live shows. Venom, along with bands like Bathory, my personal favorite, and Merciful Fate, fronted by the legendary King Diamond, influenced bands like Mayhem, Burzum, and Dark Throne. Mayhem was Oystein's band. Oystein, better known as Euronymous, started Mayhem back in 1984, and he initially went by the stage name Destructor, before opting for something a little more ominous and a little less cliched and cheesy. Now, what was your, his original name? Destructor. <laughs> <laughs> mm, okay. So, the original lineup was as follows. Oystein Arseth, at, a.k.a. Euronymous, on guitar, 
Jorn Stuberud, a.k.a. Necro Butcher, on bass, Mannheim on drums, not long after adding lead singer Messiah. However, as quickly as Messiah joined, he departed the same year, being replaced by singer Maniac. Maniac stuck around for about a year, long enough to help record Mayhem's Death Crush LP before departing in late 87. Mayhem also left the band around the same time. 1988, uh, 1988 brought the addition of Kittle Kittleson, yeah, that's a crazy name, who very briefly took over lead vocals, and Torben Grew, who became the new drummer after Mannheim. Now, quickly, Kittleson and Grew were replaced by Dead on vocals and Hellhammer on drums. This lineup would court controversy and infamy for the band and the beginning of a violent spiral. (laughs) I had to. Okay. So, Dead, whose real name was Per Olin, contacted Mayhem since he knew they were looking for a new lead singer. And because he thought the band he was currently in, the Swedish death metal band Morbid, was going absolutely nowhere. He initially contacted them by sending the members a small parcel containing a demo tape, a letter detailing his ideas for the future, and a crucified mouse. Fuck yeah. So that scene, yes. So that scene in the movie very much happened. I bet that stunk so bad. You know it did. And you gotta wonder what the got the postal service man who delivered it thought. <laughs> yeah, I was like, oh god, there's probably a hand in there. <laughs> <laughs> Legit, I'm honestly surprised that it didn't get like confiscated and opened. Yeah, like it smells like rotting, rotting rot, rot. <laughs> yeah, maybe it was insulated. Like, well. I don't know. (laughs) Dead's fixation on death was a huge part of his personality, and his morbidity had a dramatic effect on the band as a whole. Now, Jan Hellhammer Blomberg met Dead and Euronymous outside of an Anthrax concert where they were selling records. From there, he joined in a similar way by playing Euronymous his demo tape, but Hellhammer didn't gift the band any dead animals, thankfully. (laughs) Thus, Mayhem's most infamous lineup was solidified. During the next three years, Mayhem went on to make a serious name for themselves in the underground music scene as the most extreme band. Now, despite their cult following, Mayhem played only a few shows during this time, all of which would prove infamous and legendary. And I think it was Hellhammer who said that Euronymous talked some big game and made it sound like, you know, they were going places. But the real fact of the matter at this time was they were starving. They had no food. Like, they barely had any money. That's why they're so pale and skinny. Yeah. (laughs) Of course, Dead actually also would purposely starve himself to give himself, like, starvation scars. Wow. Like, the man was so deeply morbid and disturbed. Yeah, he was... Definitely suffering from a multitude of mental illnesses. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so Dead wa- Dead began to wear corpse paint, black and which is black and white paint used to make your face look kind of deadish. You put, like, black and different shapes kind of around your eyes, and uh, you make your face solid white and really paler. Sometimes they would add blood drops and stuff like that. They go from very basic to really elaborate, like King Diamond's corpse paint was fairly elaborate look that up if you want to see what it looks like uh but you know think like kiss but scary and a lot less comical and fun <laughs> yeah they they do look pretty scary yeah Euronymous also frequently wore corpse paint during performances 
to a more extreme, Dead was known to mutilate himself on stage, once cutting himself so deeply that he had to be taken to the hospital after the performance. That's where he broke the bottle that you were talking about from the film. That really God. happened. <laughs> yeah, he lost a considerable amount of blood and was basically a zombie when anyone talked to him for the rest of the day. Dead was also known to bury his stage clothes the day before a performance and dig it up to wear the next day. That's also true. Dead described some of his ideas about stage shows in an interview shortly after the infamous Sarpsborg show where he cut himself so badly. Quote, Pig heads, as well as other heads, are what we try to have at all gigs. It needs sick ideas and also money, as well as it's got to suit the place we are playing at. For example, if we used impaled pig heads in an Islamic country, we'll surely get killed then. Another thing is that what's the most disgusting thing to do right here to fuck with the wimps might not be the same effect somewhere else. If we ever come to, for example, India, the most evil thing we can do is, in my mind, to have a sacrifice of a holy cow on stage. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. I want to have stage equipment at our shows of Transylvanian landscape. Instruments of torture that are from the 12th century, real trees from the dead forest, uh, spotlights that are used to paint dark colors of dusk and laser moonshine, different animal heads, and human craniums hanging in meat hooks by chains from the dead trees, and heads that have huge screws in their eyes. That's what I think would make the perfect mood. Wow. Yeah, that's uh, Dad's idea of the perfect stage show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's intense he's a deeply intense person i imagine it would be just like so intimidating and weird to talk to him <laughs> like Ugh, yeah. i'm not sure about you man you're like yeah, are you okay cats. yeah like bro do you need a hug i just need a hug and possibly like help <laughs> I was, no, I was going to say lithium. <laughs> yeah. Some shock therapy. <laughs> yeah, then you're, you're not quite screwed on right, bud. <laughs> he was also quoted as saying that he was a bit mournful that he couldn't cut himself too often. A statement that says a lot about Dead's mental state at the time. I'm sad that I can't cut myself more because then I'll just, there will be no more blood. <laughs> I have to keep my blood in my body. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> dead suicide. Hellhammer described dead as depressed and dark, melancholic and dark, <laughs> which was really the tip of the iceberg to dead's outlook on life. Faust, the drummer from another black metal band called Emperor, stated, I don't think he was enjoying living in this world, which of course resulted in the suicide. God. Uh, yeah. <laughs> on the 8th of April, 1991, dead, home alone, slit his wrists and throat with a large hunting knife before shooting himself in the head with a shotgun. His suit. Yeah. Sorry, that fucking scene. It's, it's, it's so brutal. It's so fucking brutal. Did it, you see the actual pictures? Yeah, think? yeah, I'd seen them before. Yeah, me too. Like, I, I've seen them before, but, like, I, I re-looked at it, and I'm like, God damn it. It's... So fucking brutal. There's so much blood. Yeah, the, the pictures, a lot of the pictures you see are in black and white, but if you see the image in color, which is how the pictures actually were, it fucking sucks. <laughs> yeah, it's completely fucked. Yeah. So, dead suicide note was as follows. Excuse the blood. 
I have slit my wrists and neck. It was the intention that I would die in the woods so that it would take a few days before I was possibly found. I believe in the woods, and I have always done so. No one will understand the reason for this anyway. To give some semblance of an explanation, I am not human. This is just a dream, and soon I will wake. It was too cold, and the blood kept clotting. Plus, my new knife is too dull. Ow. If I don't succeed dying to the knife, I will blow all the shit out of my skull. Yet, I do not know. I left all my lyrics by Let the good times roll, plus the rest of the money. Whoever finds it gets the fucking thing. As a last salutation, May, I present Life Eternal. Do whatever you want with the fucking thing, Pell. I didn't come up with this now, but 17 years ago. Oh my god. Yeah. Hold on, how would he, how old would he have been? Because he was only 22. Uh, yeah. So, do the math. He would have only been like four or five. Yeah, oh my god. He became suicidal at five? He's been, like, when he says that he's been depressed and dark and melancholic his whole life, he pretty much has. So sad. It really is. Can you imagine being that dark at that young? Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I imagine he was just like a depressed little boy who, you know, looked down all the time and didn't have a lot of friends because he didn't have a lot of friends. But I imagine he'd only got darker and darker as time went on. Yeah, he was bullied really bad. He was bullied extremely bad as a kid. So Dad, Euronymous, and Hellhammer were living in a house in the woods near Krokstad. 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 Which was used as a place for the band to rehearse. Necro Butcher said that after living together for a while, Dead and Euronymous got on each other's nerves a lot. Hellhammer recalls an anecdote where Dead once retreated outside to sleep in the woods because Euronymous was playing synth music that Dead hated. <laughs> yeah. Euronymous followed and began shooting into the air with a shotgun to either kill birds or to further antagonize Dead. He couldn't escape Euronymous no matter where he went. Varg Vikernes also claims to have sent mayhem ammunition, including shotgun shells, as a Christmas gift. This ammo was speculated to be what Dead used to kill himself with, and it was in this house that he lived with his bandmates that Dead ended his life. So they all lived together? The people in the band did, yeah. Okay. Yeah, because it looked like, I mean, in the movie, it looked like it was just him living there. No, it was him, Euronymous, and Hellhammer. But Hellhammer also... Whenever things got really bad between Dead and Euronymous would just, like, drive to his parents' house and stay there. He also did that when they, like, didn't have food. He had, <laughs> he had, he was still very much attached to his parents and had, you know, options to escape. Whereas the other two were fucking starving. Especially Dead, because he moved to a different country to be in this band. Yeah. He didn't have anyone. Yeah. It was on that day that he ended his life. All right, so... It was Euronymous who found Dead later that day. He had returned to their home to find that he was locked out. Euronymous climbing in through the window, Dead's bedroom window, in fact, because it was the only one that was open, and he discovered Pear's lifeless corpse. Hellhammer had been at his parents' house in Oslo and was unaware of the suicide until he was informed by Euronymous that he wasn't allowed to return to their place of residence because the police had cleaned it out because... Dead had gone home. That's how he phrased it. Dead uh-huh. went home. Hellhammer, confused by this, asked, he went back to Sweden? To which Euronymous replied, no, he blew his brains out. Huh. Euron- yeah. 
Euronymous, prior to cops being called, went down the street to a drugstore to purchase a disposable camera. He used it to take pictures of the gruesome scene. Hellhammer was later the one to take those pictures to be developed. I would hate to be the photo technician working on those. I bet yeah. that place, I mean, they were, he was hoarding dead animals under his bed, right? Yeah, you know their house stunk. <laughs> uh, the photos were in color and featured a half sitting up dead with the shotgun on his knee. His brains had fallen out and were laying on the bed. <laughs> they they just fell out. That happened. Well, you know what I mean. Like, after <laughs> he blew his brains out, they obviously had were Exploded. scattered. Exploded. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus fucking Christ. Yeah. It's truly a grisly scene. So grisly that it became the cover for the bootleg of the 1990 Sarpsborg concert, which was titled Dawn of the Blackhearts. That's metal as fuck. (laughs) (laughs) Euronymous was happy to let rumors swirl that he might have killed Dead, all because it helped build the mystique of the band. In addition to the photos that were taken, Euronymous also took small skull fragments to make necklaces out of, and to give to his closest friends. Five or maybe six years ago, I discovered that a piece of dead skull was for sale on the true crime memorabilia website, SerialKillersInc.net, and it sold for $35,000. Holy shit. Yeah. Did you buy it? I'm sorry. No, no. I'm sorry. sorry, It sold for $3,500. Okay. That's better, but it's still crazy. Yeah, that's better, but it's still a lot. Yeah, although I don't know who bought it, but it was sold by the former Hungarian representative of Euronymous's record label, Death Like Silence. I bet uh, it was uh, Zach Bagans for his um, his Louisiana, uh, not Louisiana, uh, Las Vegas Haunted Museum. <laughs> Honestly, I would not be shocked by that, but I feel like it would have said that because he would have wanted the glory of that. Come on, yeah, he would probably boast about that. He would. But yeah, it was sold by Thomas Vamosi, who wow. was yeah, who was the Hungarian representative for Death Like Silence. How the fuck did he get it? Because he was part of Euronymous's circle. Euronymous sent it to him in like a envelope. Wow. Yeah. He gave he gave the pieces to his closest friends. Uh, some made necklaces, others just had the piece. He left his as a piece. <laughs> you can uh, have my fingers when I die. I love you, but I don't want your fingers, dude. I'll give them to you. They'll just show up in the mail. Like they're left in my in your will to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, I hope I die first. I'm just kidding. I'll give you my middle fingers. Just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> if we're going to do that, I might as well just have your whole skeleton on display with the middle finger up. <laughs> no, I want to go to the... When I die, I want to donate my body to uh, the body farms. The body farms? You've never heard of the body farm? Um, no. So it's, um, uh, there's a couple, but there's one in Virginia and one in Tennessee. And it's a facility where people donate their bodies to, to research, uh, stages of decomposition. Oh. So they literally throw you in different areas of this farm. Like they're rocky or they'll put you in a creek halfway in or halfway out or throw you in an open field. Could be a bloated water corpse. Fuck yeah. That's what I want to be. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, When I die, I want to donate all of my organs to someone who can use them if they're still viable. And I want the rest of me that's not usable to just be cremated. And I want half the ashes to help build a plant. And the other half 
to be made into a glass decorative something or other, maybe a pipe, maybe. Oh, that's a, pretty cool. Yeah, they can do that. Uh, maybe a necklace. Maybe I'm a haunted necklace later on. Ooh, that'd uh, be pretty neat. Right? I mean, I don't actually think I'm going to haunt the necklace. I'm going to be dead. I just want to <laughs> further, like, forensic anthropology but. <laughs> By my bloated corpse. Yeah, man. I'm I'm saving some lives. You're uh, going to be a bloated corpse. It's all good. You're going <laughs> to eventually save someone with that. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah, because they see how, you know, I don't know. Study how <laughs> bugs get in my body. Because <clears throat> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. there's like certain larvae that appear in the body after death. Like if they're out in the open. And yeah, and then some of them deteriorate and how they deteriorate if there's water involved or a bog or sun, heat, cold. They just leave you out there for like three months and study it while your body well, breaks down. you need to tell your family that they're not going to want to see it. <laughs> no, Probably. I'll be like, Body Farm, take photos of every month and send them to all my family members. Oh my God, Morgan. <laughs> that's that's almost dead level to <laughs> All right, let's get into the murder of Euronymous. Yes, sorry. I don't want to be so excited about it, but (laughs) I didn't mean that. It's all good. Yes. Okay. So, dead suicide affected Necro Butcher so much that he left Mayhem, thinning the band's ranks down to two. The group performed for a short time thereafter with Occultus, joining the band to begin recording vocal and bass tracks in Mayhem's debut album, De Mysterious Domthas Safanas. However, this was short-lived. He left the band after receiving a death threat from Euronymous, and in July 1993, Live in Leipzig was released as the band's tribute to Dead. In late 1992, the recording of Mayhem's upcoming album resumed. Thus, Euronymous hired three more session musicians, Burzum's Varg Vikernes, who was going by Count Grishnok at this point, Thorn Snor Rush, also known as Blackthorn, who handled bass guitar, rhythm guitar, respectively, and singer Attila Cisar of Hungarian black metal band Tormentor. Vamosi, who sold the skull piece, was also Tormentor's manager. Due to complaints by his parents, Euronymous closed his record shop and scene hangout, Havit, claiming it was garnering too much police attention. But really, his parents made him close it down. Uh, much of the album was recorded during the first half of 1993 at the Grieg Hall in Bergen. To coincide with the release of the album, Euronymous and Vikernes had conspired to blow up the Nidaros Cathedral, which appears on the album cover. Vikernes, in addition to being a session musician for De Mysterious Dom Sathanas, was also signed to Our Seth's record label with his band, Burzum. Euronymous's record shop, Helvit, which is the Norse word for hell, by the way, also served as headquarters for Deathlike Silence Productions. It was also sort of a meeting place for people to hang out, particularly the so-called Black Circle. The Black Circle wasn't as organized as the media at the time would have you believe, but there was considerable panic in the air due to certain members committing a series of church burnings. Metallion, the publisher of the metal zine Slayer, states that Euronymous told him firsthand that Vikernes had burned the first church in Bergen. According to him, it wasn't really a secret who was responsible for the church burnings to anybody in the scene. 
a feeling arose around Helvete that black metal was in direct opposition with all the organized religion in Norway, particularly Christianity. They began to buy weapons illegally and had a small stockpile or sorts of sorts uh, between them all. And more churches were burned. Varg would move into the basement of Helvete briefly during this period. Vikernes was a stand-in basis for mayhem at this point, and they were endlessly working to try to finish De Mysterious Dom Sathanas. Around this time, tensions between Euronymous and Varg would build over royalty disputes from Burzum. Before the album could be fully finished, Euronymous was murdered. Varg's mom paid entirely for the album, just like you said uh, earlier in our first half of the episode. So, you know, he owed his mother back and Euronymous was mishandling funds. You know, I think he, I think Varg yelled at him once, like, you're eating like fast food and I'm not paid. <laughs> so on the 10th of August, 1993, Vikernes traveled 518 kilometers with Blackthorn from Bergen to Euronymous's apartment in Oslo. Upon arrival, a confrontation ensued which ended when Vikernes fatally stabbed Euronymous. His body was found outside the apartment with 23 cut wounds, two to the head, five to the neck, and 16 to the back. Vikernes claims that Euronymous had plotted to torture him to death and videotaped the event using a meeting about an unsigned contract as pretext. But on the night of the murder, Vikernes claims he intended to hand Euronymous the signed contract and tell him to just fuck off, but that Euronymous attacked him first. Additionally, Vikernes also claimed that most of Euronymous's cut wounds were caused by broken glass he had fallen on during the struggle. Vikernes was arrested within days, and a few months later, he was sentenced to 21 years in prison, the maximum sentence administered in Norway for both the murder and the church arsons. He was released from prison in 2009. Blackthorne, who waited for Vikernes downstairs and took no part in our Seth's murder, was charged with complicity in the murder and was sentenced to serve eight years in prison. With only Attila and Hellhammer remaining, mayhem ceased to exist. They would go on later to reform in 1994 and went on and are still touring. Like I said, I saw them in 2017 and I had tickets to see them in 2020, but uh, COVID happened. So, like... That's crazy to me. Like, as the trial was going on, they reformed the band. Yeah, they reformed in, like, 94. Yeah, because the trial was in 94, in May. Yeah, they didn't release anything again until, like, I want to say 96 officially. But, yeah, they were upset, obviously. But, you know, it had been, some time had passed since the actual murder. So, they just went on with their lives. Fuck Varg. That's just, it's just wild. Because, like, they were... What, Blackthorn? Is it Blackthorn? Black, yeah, Blackthorn was his driver. Was the driver. In. Yeah. In the movie. Yeah. So, like, he knew about it and just didn't give a shit. He claims that he didn't know that uh, Varg was going to kill him. He thought he was just going to, like, beat him up. And oh. He did, and he didn't go upstairs with him, so, you know, he didn't really know what happened until Varg came, you know, running out. Covered in blood. Oh my god. Ugh. All the scenes with the knives and the blood. I'm like, ugh. <laughs> oh shit. Yeah. And it like, you're really, a nurse. Yeah. It doesn't really gross me out. It just like made my stomach like drop. 
because like knowing this happened and it's fucking knives like big ass hunting knives yeah I I can't remember who phrased this or where I heard this phrase before it's such a more intimate act to stab with a knife yeah it's super intimate and personal to stab someone as opposed to shooting them that's like I think like maybe strangling them is the only act that's more involved when you're killing someone you know When you're killing someone with an object and repeatedly hitting them or stabbing them, that's so personal. Yeah, I will say the stabbing scene in Saving Private Brian, I still think that's, like, the worst stabbing scene. I would tend to agree with you. It's pretty rough. (laughs) Anytime I saw something gruesome after that, that was the bar. I would be like, well, it's not quite Saving Private Ryan. Yeah, he's like slowly pushing it. He's like, shh, 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 shh. He says like, stop in German, like telling him to stop, like be quiet. It's so fucked up. Sorry. But yeah, the stabbing scene's a close second. Yeah, yeah. This is up there on my list for sure. Top five. Yeah. So, Bard Aiton, aka Faust, was deeply involved in the black metal scene during this time. He performed with bands such as Stigma Diabolicum, Thorns, and Emperor, and also produced the fanzine Orcustus. <laughs> Zines. <laughs> yeah. I think I would love for fan-made zines to, like, still be a big prevalent thing. That was just a, a cool like, there's, time. There's, like, fan fiction, but that shit can get really, really weird. Um, but, like, fanzines were the coolest. Yeah, they were just, like, little magazines self-produced by some guy you knew in your high school. Yeah. And they were, you know, lovingly put together and detailed because that's what that person geeked out on, you know? Yeah, it was like their fucking geek, like, fest. Their geek fest mag. It's great. I I love it. I miss those. Bring back the zines. Bring back the zines. Absolutely. (laughs) (laughs) So while visiting his family in Lilyhammer on the 21st of August, 92, Faust went out for a late-night walk to a pub for a pint. He didn't care for the bar's atmosphere, so he departed and decided to go home. He took a detour through a nearby park and encountered another man who approached him. The man, Magna Andreasen, had been drinking and drunkenly asked Faust for a lighter, despite the fact that he had already that he already had a lit cigarette in his mouth. Faust took this interaction to mean that Andreas was hitting on him looking for sex. So Faust agreed to go into the woods with Andreasen. Faust had already decided to murder him at this point, which baffled even him. I'm not normally like this. I don't go around killing people. Faust Faust always carried a pocket knife on his person, and it was with this knife that he stabbed Andreasen in the stomach. A small scuffle ensued, and he was stabbed additionally in the neck and face. Standing over him, Faust continued to stab him, finally stabbing him so hard in the back that it went through to the shoulder blade. Shit. And yeah. with a pocket knife. Mm-hmm. Faust reasons that Andreasen most likely died when he removed the knife from him. He had to, like, kind of, like, step on him to, like, pull the knife out. Oh, my God, dude. Yeah. It was a full year before Faust would be caught for his crime. Faust thinks that Vikernes's interview where he claimed he knew someone who murdered someone pointed the cops in his direction. Although a few others also knew about the murder, so we may never officially know who actually ratted him out. He bragged about it. He did. 
1994, he was sentenced to 14 years imprisonment, but was released due to good behavior in 2003 after serving only nine years and four months. What? That's Norway. Yeah, that's insane to me. Yeah, they they look at prison a lot differently than we do here. We turn people into uh, basically slaves. Yeah, I don't even want to get into the <laughs> fucking prison industrial me, complex. <laughs> me neither. But in Norway, it's very different, and I'll yeah. get into that. I'll get into that. In the years since, Faust Faust has stated that he had no homophobic views, and it was more of a kill to find out what it was like to kill someone. In fact, Gall, formerly of Gorgoroth, who was in an openly who is an openly gay member of the Norwegian black metal scene, stated that Faust was one of the first people to contact him when he came out and like gave him support. However, it should be stated that Gall is also a whole other ball of wax. He's been arrested for aggravated assault twice and was also arrested for a religious offense, which is punishable by Polish law where this concert in Krakow happened, and for animal cruelty. The stage was covered in blood and sheep's heads, and there were nude models posing in the form of a cross covered in blood. Oh my god. <laughs> yeah. He, he went to jail for it in Poland? Yeah. Yeah, Poland's pretty um, anal. Yeah. Yeah, like, you can't really do much in Poland. Yeah, well... They're pretty... They don't have much freedom of speech or expression. Yeah, he made the mistake of doing that in Poland. Oh, fuck. Yeah, or maybe, like, uh, he had the same idea as, like, dead. Like, what's going to really offend them? I want to make the world just be very offended. (laughs) Very uncomfortable. I went to so uncomfortable. Uh, so the la- the latter assault that I mentioned went down as follows. The incident happened in February 2002 during a late night party at Gall's house in Espindel when he became involved in a confrontation with a man who arrived at his house. Gall was accused of severely beating the man, torturing him for long periods of time, and collecting his blood in a cup and threatening to make him drink it. <laughs> what? Yeah. Gall said... I was the one who was attacked, but they think I punished him too hard. As always, as I always say, when people cross my line and I let them know where my line is, many steps before they cross it, and still they choose to cross it, then I will be the one to decide what their punishment will be. He wow. also, Yeah. He also claimed to have given the man the cup so that he would not make such a mess in my house with all the blood. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Should have given him a bucket. <laughs> Maybe some Uh, plastic wrap on the floor or something. (laughs) Yeah. Gall is a fucking intense dude. I've watched an interview with him where some guy was interviewing him. And basically, Gall didn't like the line of questioning. So Gall just stopped answering his questions and just, like, angrily stares at him until the interviewer's like, cut. (laughs) Oh, my God. Like, I'm sure that interviewer was like, I know what he's done to reporters he didn't like before. Man, he's like a fucking narcissistic sadist. He's a complete sadist. He's something, yeah. I like how it says personal (laughs) beliefs on his Wikipedia. It says, Gall is openly gay. He is an artist and has had some of his paintings on exhibit. He's a vegetarian and is against drugs and drug user mentality. But he's fine with beating the shit out of someone when they cross his personal line <laughs> that he warned them about many times. <laughs> you cross this line, 
I will kill your family goat, take its head, put its innards into your mouth, and then I will cut you and then stick the innards inside of the cut. Now come a, come at me again, bruh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pretty much. As for old Varg, his years in prison did not serve him well. He began writing Nazi sentiments and essentially wrote his own Mein Kampf, which he got his computer taken away from him for. Yeah, it's a Norwegian prison. He had a computer and was able to sparingly record albums in jail also. Yeah. Varg has some pretty crazy ideas floating around in that brain of his, and frankly, I don't have the time or energy to get into all of it, but he's racist, he's a nationalist, and he believes in aliens and the lost city of Atlantis. But he's not worthy of me talking about him anymore. Oh my god, is he a flat earther too? I don't know about that. I don't think so, but... He's got some pretty fucking crazy ideas about things. (laughs) Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. There's a whole chapter that goes into interviews of him talking about all this shit, but it's like, this guy's fucking nuts. (laughs) You're just like, it's like the most out there episode of last podcast on the left on steroids. Oh my God. Like all these people like in the scene were all so cray cray. Yeah, absolutely. They all had some issues. It's, like, theatrical, but at the same time, it's, like, is it, though? Is it? Yeah. (laughs) I think it's still theatrical, for sure, but. How would you like to look five years younger? In a clinical study, people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment. Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volure XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. It's also for shock value. I mean, absolutely. Yeah, like making people uncomfortable. Yeah, I, they revel in that, which I guess is low-level sadism, <laughs> right? Yeah, like, yeah, they're all pretty much sadists, but... I will say this, though, having gone to metal shows, black metal shows in particular, honestly, the fans are some of the nicest people. When I went to the show in Atlanta, it took me forever to find the Atlanta Underground, and there were just a bunch of other people clearly dressed in black metal garb wandering around, also lost, so we all band together and found the place together. Oh, that's so great. (laughs) Like, and, uh, like, some dude at the concert bought us beers. 
It was dope. He literally was just so happy to be at the concert and was drunk, and he was just like, bears for everybody. (laughs) (laughs) That's pretty sweet. It was fucking amazing. It was, yeah, it was a great show. There was all great vibe there. People were really nice. I want to go to a, a black metal show. Dude, we'll go to one. I have a friend, okay, so I have a friend, our friend that, um, Lee, who does the outro music for our podcast. Nice. He's in, yeah, he's in, like, a death metal band. He's in, like, several death metal bands and a punk band. He's in a bunch of bands. We could definitely probably catch one of their shows. Fuck yeah. Because they're in, like, they're in, like, those grungy punk houses where it's, like, filthy and you're wondering. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love those. It's that kind of scene. I could take you to one of those for sure. Yeah. Yeah. I love punk houses. They're so so fucking dirty. You're, like. just, like, PBR that's molded and people are drinking. (laughs) (laughs) So accurate. I've been to a lot of punk shows. Like, when I lived in Charlotte, like, I had a bunch of friends in the punk scene so I'd be like, hey, I'm going to go. <laughs> punk shows, you feel like you need a shower after you leave them, and you do. Oh, yeah. But the energy there is like no other. But, I mean, black metal shows have a great energy, too. And despite the fact that sometimes there's pig's blood, they say they, I think they're cleaner than punk shows. Yes, yeah, punk shows are just, like, grungy, dirty, right? sweaty. I feel like... Like train kids you haven't, like, yeah, bathed yeah. in a month. Yeah, I feel like every punk show I've ever been to, the, like, real hardcore members of the scene always smell like they haven't bathed in, like, three days. And yeah. not and not in, like, me not bathing in three days where I've just, like, been around the house in my nightgown and still smell like deodorant. <laughs> uh, I mean, like, it's like, have been out there doing stuff, working and playing hard, getting yeah, drunk. Like- Working, getting drunk, throwing up on themselves, rolling around exactly. in pee. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> like pissing like... themselves on a couch that they found in an alley. A lot of hardcore punks smell like the streets of New Orleans. <laughs> it's pretty accurate. And bless you for it. We love you. Yeah. By golly, I well, love it. By golly. Yeah. Jimmy Wait. Crickets, I love it. Yeah. Like, <laughs> I, I shit you not, my mom used to say dad gummit all the time instead dad of gummit. Yeah, instead of like damn or shit. But that didn't that didn't help my mouth. <laughs> I I I started cursing like a sailor pretty early on. <laughs> yeah. I curse like a fucker. Like Yeah. There's at, a reason why we're not safe for work. <laughs> I know I'm not safe for work, but I work night shifts, so it's okay. <laughs> Because the the higher-ups aren't there to hear me throw F-bombs. Yeah, and I don't use F-bombs in my writing, so that's good. That is nice. <laughs> I my articles are child-friendly. Oh. Most of the time. <laughs> most of the time. Depends on what I'm talking about. <laughs> like my junk food article, which, by the way, did I tell you that um, it is resuming my junk food column? Oh, fuck yeah. Yeah, my junk I could food get column. down on that. I could get right. down on something. Yeah, my junk food column is called I Just Came for the Food. It's over on the farsightedblog.com. <laughs> yes. And, That's awesome. Uh, yes, and I write about new, fun, wacky flavors of random candy and drinks and chips and snacks. Oh, nice. Do you do, like, foreign lays? Um, I could do that. I would be definitely open to it. 
but I mostly do ones that are like new to the market. Like I literally get emails uh, from the like food and beverage conference and shit like that. So they tell me what new stuff is coming out. I get a food and beverage magazine that's like only for insiders. Oh, that's awesome. Yeah, it tells you stuff like months before they're set to hit stores. Oh, that is so cool. Yeah, sometimes I get like early samples from companies, but I haven't done it in a couple of years, I think. So now that it's come back that I'm doing it again, um, I'll have to re-reach out to my contacts and see what's up. Yeah, you should do some of the Lay's because like in this Asian store down the road from me, they have sushi flavored Lay's. They have um, the Lay's stacks that are like Pringles. Yeah. They have have a cucumber flavor of that, which are fucking phenomenal. I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can eat it. I love the way cucumber tastes. I love cucumber flavored things. Like, I like the cucumber-flavored Gatorade. I love the cucumber Gatorade. It's so good. But, like, I don't know about chips. And then, like, it's... I. You'd have to just try one, Morgan. It was really good. Do you have to, like, close your eyes and pretend you're drinking something? (laughs) No. No. I mean, you eat... Do you not eat cucumbers yourself? Yeah, I eat cucumbers all the time. Well, then there's no reason you wouldn't like this chip, I swear. It tastes just like a cucumber, but in a potato-y form. I buy so many cucumbers that I bet they're like, "Mm Mm-hmm, I know what's happening. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I think it's an episode of maybe Family Guy or American Dad. It's one of those cartoons where, like, someone goes to the grocery store and buys a bunch of cucumbers and then comes back, and I think the uh, the grocery store person says something snarky to them, and it, their face kind of falls, <laughs> and then they and then they go home, but they literally have like a gimp stuck to the wall, <laughs> <laughs> and then the gimp the gimp like unzips his mouth and it's like, what's wrong? <laughs> uh, the grocery boy was giving me shit. <laughs> Oh my god. I don't remember which show that is. It's one of those adult cartoons. This is fucking hilarious. <laughs> so that's all I've got on them. I read it really straightforward because I didn't want to take three hours. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> good dude. Like, I took three hours. <laughs> yeah, it's all good. I'm gonna edit it down and it's not gonna be that much. Yeah, so like Morgan, what have you been up to? What have you watched that doesn't have to do with this? <laughs> what have so, you done? So besides working like way too much, um, <laughs> the other night I watched, I think you've seen it, but Slacks. Yes, I love Slacks. In <laughs> fact, I'll tell you off mic because I don't want someone to steal my idea, but I've got big things in the works and Slacks kind of inspired it. Slacks is ridiculous. I love that movie. Um, if You've seen it before, haven't you? No, it just no? came out in 2020, so I, I didn't yeah, see I remember, it. remember I watched it as soon as it hit Netflix and I, not Netflix, Shudder. Yeah, you I, had told me about it. Yeah. <laughs> I never watched it until now because I was just like, that sounds just, and How funny was that? I finally watched it and it's hilarious. <laughs> Andrew think, and I were laughing so hard. Right? It's so funny. I like, love movies like that. I like when the girl, she's dead and her body's like stuffed. She's like cut in half. Her legs are stuck next to her and it's just like 
the top part of her body sitting next to it underneath the cabinet. Uh And he's like, wow. Wow. And she's like, in this insane, someone murdered her. And the guy goes, you know, I knew she had body image issues, but I didn't think she would take it this far. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking die laughing. I piddled a little bit. I was laughing so it's so great because it makes fun of fast fashion so hard. <laughs> yes. And like corporate so yeah, shit. Yeah, corporate allegiance and place like places like that, when you work for a place like that, literally feel like a cult. Yeah, they fucking do. And I'm not going to name names, but when it was like stocking night to like take down the old stuff like this movie, like everyone wanted to work it. And I'm like, y'all are staying up until like 4 a.m. to do this like why are y'all so excited about it i couldn't i just didn't understand it i'd be like nah i I would like have fucking school fuck you i would be excited about it because that would be a day at that job where i'm not dealing with customers yeah but you have to work the shift before that oh no no yeah Mm -mm. it'd be like people just stay until three no, I'm coming in at like midnight and stay until three. Fuck yeah. No, I'm, I'm some, not doing, yeah, no. some people would come in later or, you know, like at 10 or something when it closed. Um, but then some would actually work the like that evening into that next morning. Yeah, I'm there's like, no way I would do that. Why I would, would come you in t- later. <laughs> yeah, no. That's when you're drinking the Kool-Aid a little too yeah, people are really excited about it. I just, I never understood it. It would be like the new release of jeans and stuff. And I didn't get it. Like, I like this clothing line, but I'm not gonna be here until four. Sorry. Yeah. I had a friend that worked for Abercrombie and her literal job was to walk around the store and spritz that fucking perfume. <laughs> Oh, my God. And to also stand outside the store and be pretty. And, like, it's so fucked up. I was trying to apply for them, and they were, like, showing me what I needed to wear. Yeah, you have to wear their clothes. And I was like, I don't I don't even shop here. Why am I trying to get this job? <laughs> Seriously, because that's a job. That is a job for teenagers, teenagers or college students who want discounts on those clothes. Yeah, that's literally it. I was just like, no, I'm good. Because, like, you can't even wear a jacket and they keep it fucking freezing in there. Mm-hmm. Like, I can't even wear an Abercrombie jacket? Yeah, you can. I mean, I gotta give you this, like, you're barely gonna, if someone with B.O. walks into an Abercrombie, you might not smell it because it's freezing, and, and that perfume's that perfume. everywhere. It is a cloud yeah. that hangs over the store. Yeah, you can smell it, like, wafting, wafting into, like, the hallways. At oh, yeah. Old. Like, I remember that. You smell Abercrombie a few stores down. Yeah. I think Abercrombie is, like, the Hooters of the fashion um, stores. <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say that. I would say maybe, like, BB. I think, okay, I know what you mean. You're saying because of the way they hoard people, their, their workers out? Yeah. Yes, yes, absolutely. And, like, now, you as have to far wear as, short shorts. Yeah, but I would say that the clothes and, and BB are more scandalous. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but, like... Abercrombie work are like the Hooters. Yeah, they are. They're usually in short shorts, but they're usually like in the tight fitting graphic tees. They're not like showing a lot of boob, really, necessarily. 
Yeah, back in the day they were, I remember. Yeah. Well, my friend who worked there always just didn't do that. (laughs) Probably because she was like 16 when she worked there. (laughs) And just didn't have much of a sexual bone in their body. So that's also true. Like, I think sex scared her. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, because in Mississippi, our sex ed was just pictures of gonorrhea and chlamydia and how we should save ourselves before marriage. Uh, I think it was a little better than that where I went to school. Ours is terrible. But you're not wrong. They do definitely be like, abstinence is the best policy. And it's like, no, it's not. No, it's yeah. Not. That's not realistic. Come on. These are horned up teenagers. Give them condoms and tell them to be safe. Yeah. Let's be real here. Because I know people, I mean, I know I've told the story before. I don't know if I've told the story on the pod before, but I went to a party once when I was like 19 and there was a 12 year old there with her 15 year old girlfriend. And they said that they could, that they were going to stay together forever because they could fuck anyone they wanted as long as they came back to each other and it was then that i knew that america had had completely gone down the shitter it's like what i'm like you're a i literally took her phone from her and i was like you're a baby you're you're a baby go home yeah you haven't even yeah she probably did but she i I mean if she's fucking people she's probably hit puberty but (laughs) dear god yeah so what have i been up to i just got off of a 11, 10 to 11 day uh, house sitting gig. Yeah, yeah, hanging out with my little Basinji buddy. His name's Pep. He's cute. That house is fucking cool, those pictures you showed me. Yeah, they've got really cool art in their house. Yeah, they do. I want them to design my house. (laughs) Like, come, please help me. I think, I mean... I wouldn't be able to afford that. Yeah, I'm not sure you'd be able to afford that. I mean. I mean, also, he's not like an interior decorator or anything. Really? Like, no. I mean, he works for, he used to work for West Elm, but like, I think he's just like, uh, helps with the furniture or something. He works for a furniture company in the design market, I think, but I don't think he's technically an interior decorator. He's I just bet he like, could still do it. He's, oh, I'm sure. I he mean, probably took the same classes in college. <laughs> I mean, but yeah, he's just like a designer for a furniture company. Don't quote me on that. I don't know exactly what he does. Like, they told me, but I kind of don't remember exactly what he did. I just know that he used to work for West Elm. Anyway. (laughs) So, yeah, I didn't watch a lot of TV there. I just kind of left the, like, TV that was on. Like, they have a TV in the living room that they just, like, it's always on when I go to walk the dog. So So they just have, like, basic cable, I guess. So I just, like, left it on Comedy Central and watched a lot of South Park, honestly noise yeah yeah i watched the premiere of the righteous gemstones the new season oh i haven't seen the new season it just came out there's like three episodes up now i think it's hysterical as always i fucking love danny mcbride and growing up in the south with these mega churches it's fucking hysterical how accurate they're portraying the hypocrisy and shit like it's making yeah. I love it so much. Like, it's a great cast. It's got Adam Devine and Danny McBride and John Goodman. It's, and they're all, they all play this, like, televangelist family. And they're super corrupt and crooked. (laughs) And it's so great. It's amazing. I love it. So, yeah, I watched that. I also watched the premiere of Euphoria. Have you seen that show? Euphoria? Euphoria, yeah. It's on HBO. It's... It's got, like, a cast that is, you know, like, all tw- early tw- people in their early 20s, early to mid-20s playing teenagers, of course. 
but it's a really serious teenage show. Like it's 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 made for adults, but it, it's about teenagers. You say adults? Yeah. Adults. 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 What do you mean? Adults. Adults. What? <laughs> <laughs> I've never noticed you said adults. Yeah, right. I do. I guess. Hmm. <laughs> anyway, but yeah. So I mean, it's like really serious. One of the main characters has a really bad drug problem. It starts off with her like nearly dying and she's like recovering from the OD that she had that scared the shit out of her parents. And then there's like, you know, a transgender girl who's super hot by the way. And it's deals with like her past trauma with her mother and stuff like that. And then there's also like child pornography kind of happening and like underage sex with adults between the teenagers and like a dude severely assaulting another guy like it's all very serious they're all they all like live in LA and they have they're all fucked up they all have some serious problems basically so it's like if Degrassi had an HBO budget oh it'd be like Degrassi's Brett Easton kind of it's pretty it's it's pretty dark. There's one episode in the first season that's fucking hilarious that has it's basically an ode to we don't want your dick pic. <laughs> and it's it's basically this it's basically Zendaya describing how showing she did, actually shows you a slideshow of men's dicks by the way. And then she's just like we don't want this. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. You see way more dick on the show than you do women female nudity wow which is weirdly liberating but also that's kind of hbo hbo loves to show you a floppy flaccid penis oh yeah Mm -hmm. they love it they do i've seen way too many of them (laughs) but you know you can never see the heart on that's when it goes in the x rating that's so funny (laughs) yeah show you this, this floppy little one-eyed snake. <laughs> yeah. If you watch any show on HBO, you've probably seen a floppy, flaccid penis. Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. That's just... HBO is premium cable, and they're going to do whatever they want. It's no Skinamax, but... No, but I mean, it's a higher quality. Yeah, it's like more tasteful. Skinamax yeah. is like softcore porn. <laughs> Skinamax was literally softcore. It was softcore porn. And yeah. I don't, I guess if the youngins are listening, they won't understand. But back in the day when he had to have those cards for your cable box, my ex stepdad used to have them hacked and you could get the, like all the channels on DirecTV if you had the certain card inserted. And he'd mm-hmm. buy it for, like, cheap from this guy. And then pretty much hack it with his card. So it would open up all of the channels. And, yeah, I watched porn. <laughs> <laughs> I even remember the number of channels, 598. <laughs> it's like fucking porn. And oh, then whenever yeah. <laughs> you, you quit, like, whenever we quit getting the cards, we had Skinamax. And I'm like, that is softcore porn. Yeah. I used to watch a lot of porn. Just, I guess I shouldn't say that out loud, but I well, did. You have now. <laughs> yeah. 
So, dude, you know, out. it's it's natural, you know. There's nothing to. I mean, there's a lot wrong with the porn industry. If you've ever listened to the podcast, the last days of August, I think I've mentioned that before. Uh, it definitely. Oh, goes, it's fucked. Yeah, there's uh, a lot you, of fucked up stuff. Yeah, did you ever listen to that podcast? I think I I think you told me about it. And I'll probably like listen to the rundown or something of it. Yeah, it's really messed up. It's about the porn star August Ames and how she untimely died and how the porn industry basically affected that. Yeah, she killed herself. Yeah. So, yeah. Oh, was- John Ronson did that. Yeah. 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 I John love Ronson. John Ronson. See, you'll love it. You should listen to it. Like I it. definitely. Okay. I think we have talked about this. Because he did the men who stare at goats and psychopath test. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah. Okay. I may get this audio book because Andrew and I are going to North Carolina. And maybe we'll listen to that. Yeah, you should. Um, it's. I think it was originally just an audible original. But I think you can listen to it anywhere now. Um, the last days of August. Yeah. It was a good podcast. He also did some other thing that was like an expose on the porn industry. And it was really good, too. I don't remember what it was called, though. But, yeah, so that was interesting. What else did I do? Um, I've been playing a lot of Dragon Age Inquisition. Nice. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That game came out, like, way back in, I want to say, 2014, in the early days of the Xbox One. And I wanted to get into it so badly because I really, really liked Dragon Age Origins and Dragon Age 2. But I don't know. I couldn't get into it when I first started trying to play it when it came out. And I just put it down and didn't touch it again for, gosh, like eight years. And uh, it was free on Game Pass. So I picked it up. And now I'm like 100 hours into it. Wow. Yeah. When I, when I play RPGs, I, yeah. When I play RPGs, I go hard. I do all the side quests. I do all the little conversations. I go hard. I complete it 100%. Yeah. I think that's like the way you should do it. Right? I mean, I've been playing Skyrim forever. I can't even touch Skyrim anymore because I've done everything in it more than once. Okay. So, see, I've done everything with Oblivion because Oblivion was out, I think, for 10 years before even Skyrim came out, right? Wasn't it around? It wasn't around for 10 years. I want to say it was around for like six years. Okay. So I did everything possible, all the different side quests and everything in Oblivion. But in Skyrim, there's one quest that I just found out I haven't done. Oh, which quest was it? It's the one where you find the Falmer. As a human. Oh, really? You haven't done that one? I don't think I have. I saw someone post it on Reddit, and I was like, I don't remember this. Huh. Maybe I had. I mean, it's been out for, like, 12 years. So I need to, like, go back and look at it. Yeah, that's, like, a pretty major quest line. Yeah, right? Okay, so maybe I have done it. It just yeah. doesn't look familiar. I think it's I want part of a DLC, one of the DLCs, maybe? I don't remember because I've, I, I mean, I know that game pretty well, but I don't remember exactly where that quest comes in. Yeah, I didn't buy all the expansion packs for Skyrim. There's like, there's a fuck. Mm, there's like three. Oh, there's three. I think yeah. I have two. There's only like three DLCs, I think. Because for, for Oblivion, there was like the Game of the Year edition and 
Um, yeah, Oblivion had a had quite a few expansions. Yeah, there's Shivering Isles and stuff like that. Like I love Shivering Isles. Yes, I wish they would make like a the major game of Shivering Isles. That would be cool to just be like hanging out in his realm. Yeah, and and like for the Argonians, like they don't have their own game, and you don't go to Khajiit's. I can't remember the land they're from. They're from like the desert lands or something but it would be cool to go to Khajiit's because they're actually from a different like continent they're from elsewhere yeah elsewhere and there's not been an elsewhere I know that's one of the ones that I really want but the what I think would be the coolest and that they could maybe do on this new um console is the land where the wood elves are from oh yeah the giant migrating trees. Yeah. How fucking dope would that be? They live in these giant migrating trees. I think it would be so fucking cool. Because, I mean, they kind of... Well, they didn't really do wood elves. They did dark elves. Yeah, that, that was... um Morrowind. Morrowind, yeah. And, God, the graphics for Morrowind, when you look at them today, look so bad. Yeah, I, like, went full force into Morrowind to the point where, like... I would fucking play from, if I wasn't working at the restaurant, I would just get home and play. And that would be around like 4.30 p.m. And then I would quit at 4.30 a.m. and then go to school by like 8.30. That's how you do it. Yeah, I was like not sleeping. And mom's like, are you okay? Are you doing drugs? I'm like, I'm literally just addicted to morrowind. I'm not eating or drinking. (laughs) Like. Dude, some kid in Korea died that way. I could have died that way, probably. <laughs> I mean, I was eating fucking hot Cheetos and like Dr. Pepper, and that would all—that's all I would eat. <laughs> I mean, I don't think that would kill you that fast. Like he died of like, I don't know. I don't know if it was like starvation or thirst or whatever, but something it was something like that. Oh Sleep deprivation. God. Just imagine like your your legacy. <laughs> you're you're that kid that died by playing too many video games. Yeah, you're I, the story that every parent warned you about. Literally, that shouldn't be real. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what he was playing. Probably Final Fantasy. No, I wanted to say it was like League of Legends. I think, <laughs> it, was, I think it was League of Legends, uh. but but like a fifth grade kid died playing fucking Fortnite. Uh, How did he die? Uh, I don't know. They just, like, found him unconscious with the controller still in his hand. He, like, fortnighted too hard? <laughs> I guess. They oh. didn't find him for a fortnight? <laughs> he, di- he died of cardiac arrest. Oh, shit. How? Like, a kid dying of cardiac arrest? That He had some underlying health problems. Probably, but he did die while playing Fortnite. He probably had, like, cardiomegaly or something. Yeah. Shit. Isn't that bonkers? Yeah. It was like, I think, Fortnite. yeah, I think it was uh, Pakistani. Like, yeah. this happened in Pakistan, I think. That's so sad. I bet his funeral was like Fortnite themed. <laughs> that seems, that seems morose, Morgan. <laughs> <laughs> I really doubt his parents themed his funeral as Fortnite. I wish he died what he loved. I mean, he did. Gotta, the kid went out the way he wanted to. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh my god, I'm going to hell.
<laughs> Me too. That's I okay. mean, if I believed in that. At least I'll have friends there. <laughs> True. Dude, ping pong with Satan. <laughs> <laughs> All Don't right. forget Saddam Hussein. <laughs> oh, well, I mean, Saddam's fucking Satan. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how you know we've watched too much South Park, folks. <laughs> All right, um, Morgan's gonna go to bed. I know, I've been asleep, not asleep, I've been awake for a really long time. And, uh, I'm gonna start my day beyond this. <laughs> you're gonna live your life, and I'm gonna I'm probably, go pass the fuck out. Yeah, you're gonna live your life, and I'm gonna, epi- I'm going to edit the first half of this episode. <laughs> yes, Chris. Yes. I'm sorry. It's all good. I'm also going to eat something because I'm fucking starved. All right, guys. We're out. Bye. Bye. Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.